one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Change the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. The 0-2 pitch. Look at this. Struck him out. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Dobbert, coming at you with the new episode after the All-Star teams have been announced, at least initially. We have an idea of who's going to be on these teams, always subject to replacements based on injuries, starting pitchers throwing just before the All-Star break. But as of now, the Phillies only have two All-Stars. I guess people thought that you could have had three, maybe even four, pushing five, maybe. Around five guys probably had cases. But the big ones that, that did get in, Bryce Harper voted in as the starter at DH. He's not going to play in this game because of his injury, but still making the all-star team. And Kyle Schwarber was named as a reserve in the all-star game. He leads the National League in home runs. The big one that did not get in, for the Phillies, Zach Wheeler, along with Aaron Nola, who had a little bit of a case. they Those two guys do not make the All-Star game as of right now. Like I said before, always subject to replacement, depending on whatever pops up. But to start off this pod, we're going to have to get into that, these All-Star selections. And nobody better to do it than my co-host, Nathan Ackerman. Nathan, how are you doing? Nobody better. That's some That's some high praise. Nobody better. Nobody. Nobody I'd rather <laughs> debate it with. Oh, gee, thanks, Ty. I'm doing well. Yeah, the, the Wheeler thing is obviously the biggest takeaway from the All-Star game. And of course, there's more Phil stuff to, to, to talk about. They just finished out game three against the Cardinals. That's a big four-game set. Obviously, they lost that game, but they've won the first two out of three. We can talk about that later on in the show. But yeah, Wheeler missing the All-Star game is obviously like the biggest thing that sort of caught everybody off guard. There was a point at there's one point in the season where it was like Wheeler's making a case to possibly start the All-Star game. He probably was never like the leading candidate to, to start the game, but he was in the conversation at some point. And my my thing with him is a lot of these awards stuff and the voting and things like that, whether it's end of the year, like MVP or it's often what have you done for me recently? And Wheeler, like, what has he done for me since the start of, of May? I'm going to tell you right now, he has a 1.65 earned run average. He won National League Pitcher of the Month in the month of May. He's been lights out ever since that. And it's really only a bad April that has his numbers, like, somewhat not at the top of the pack, even though he's still top five in the National League in uh, earned run average with a man, I should have had this ready when I started this point. He's at 2.46. So he's been hot as of, as of late. He's been one of the best pitchers in the league for the last three months, two and a half months. And he's not an all-star feels weird to me. I don't know. Yeah. So like you said, a lot of times it is a a later push. It's going to give you a better chance of making an all-star game of being named an MVP being named as a Cy Young, things like that. But at the same time, like I think what cost him this spot, ultimately this initial spot is that early in the season, he wasn't quite built up because he took a little longer in the off season to get some rest after his big workload last season that early in the season, he 
was getting hit around a little bit more and he wasn't going as deep into games as he did last year. And he's been doing as of late. So while the ERA as, as a whole is, is pretty low right now, like you said, um, the innings aren't quite there as compared to some of the other pitchers. He's at 96, I believe not hasn't crossed that hundred mark at this point. So I think that is like one of the things that, that kept him out, but still, even with that, I think, there would have been nobody who would have had an issue with Zach Wheeler making the all-star team. On the other hand, I, I, I'm not going to get super upset about Zach Wheeler, not making this initial team. Um, there are some other snubs that in the, in the NL Carlos Rodon is another one that has he, his ERA is a little bit higher than Wheeler's, but more innings. And he's a guy, both, both of those players, um, if the all-star game was only about getting the best players in it, they, they would both probably be on the all-star team, but, but like, that's just not what it's about. Shouldn't it be like that? Isn't that what it should be though? Like, I mean, Maybe. come on, we, it's the all-star game that you should have. The, look, this is part of the problem with the game has such a hard problem with making a big thing out of their stars and their young talent and all this kind of stuff. Yet it's the same basically the same group of guys in the all-star game every single year because it's a it's a popularity contest and if you're not going to change that you're never going to have this new wave of people that you want to market and sell and things like that and the fact that the all-star game is just who's the most popular who's the had the best career or things like that it's like that's that's not what the game should be it should be about who are the best 25 whatever players in the league in that season and I'm, I'm not saying that just in the you know, context of Wheeler or anything like that. It's just the the way that the All-Star game operates and the fact that it's just a popularity contest is so dumb. It, it, it defeats the entire purpose of the game. Point is, you should have the best players in the All-Star game and it shouldn't be about popularity and about where the game's being played. I don't care about any of that stuff. I guess my argument to that would be in trying to get new faces out into the All-Star game and things like that. I guess part of what kept Wheeler out is the rule that every team has to have a selection to the all-star game Mm -hmm. and the person that best fit the bill for the Cincinnati Reds was Luis Castillo, who I think he's through 12 starts, 2.92 ERA, something like that. Probably not an all-star. That's one of the reasons that Wheeler is not in because of that, because they put Castillo in, uh, because every team has to have a guy in. So that kept off a better starter because the Reds needed somebody by rule to be in the game. So that's is, that's one thing. Which is also kind of a stupid rule because some teams are so bad they don't deserve to have an all-star. And it was it was a little – it was fine somewhat when the all-star game was about home field advantage in the fall classic. Like that was fine. Even though – even then, like there were some teams who had all-stars that you're like, they're not going to be playing in the World Series, so why does this matter? But – it's it's stupid. Just take the best players. It shouldn't be that complicated. Take the best players, even if they're all from the same five teams. I don't care. They should be the best players. That's why they're all stars. So a small tangent for me, that rule was like so, so, so mind-blowingly dumb. I'm just going to yeah. just use that word. Why would it the home field advantage being in the all-star game made no sense whatsoever people tried to oh to give the all-star game some meaning well here's the thing it it never had meaning like it has no meaning other than to just be for what it 
to be what it is, which is a show, which is why I'm going to argue that it's not that big a deal that Clayton Kershaw's in the All-Star game. He's only made 11 starts because he got hurt. But when he's been on the field, he's been excellent. 2.4 ZR ERA in 11 starts. It, I do. I, I hear the argument about just putting the best players in, but that's like never how this stuff goes. And like, don't you think it'll be cool that in the All-Star game at Dodger Stadium that Kershaw's going to get the start? Like, why not just start Tony, Tony Gonsolin? Because it's Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, but th- this that's exactly what I'm saying is the point. If you if you keep on saying every single year, oh, it's Clayton Kershaw, and he should get the nod because it's Clayton Kershaw, you're taking away moments from guys like Tony Gonsolin, who he should deserve to start the All-Star game, and maybe he could be the next Clayton. Okay, he's not going to be the next Clayton Kershaw, but like the po- it shouldn't be the same guys every single year just because they've been the guy. Now they should be the guy. Yeah, he's been good this year too, but like, dude, you have a Dodger who like might be – the best pitcher in the national league to this point in this, in the season, yet you're making Clayton Kershaw an all-star so that he can pitch the all-star game when you could have a different, presumably, go, presumably going to start. Like it does feel like he's going to start, I Either guess, that's way, not it's, but it's just dumb. I, I think the all-star game, like it could be so much better. I think it's probably the best all-star week in sports, but it could be so much better if they were just like open to the fact that sometimes you need new you 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 should you need the best 25 players up to that point in the season playing in that game no matter who it is whether it's a guy who's having a breakout and nobody really knows about that's a perfect opportunity for people to learn who this guy is and learn about Ty France who got snubbed from the All-Star game once again uh, I mean not you know as as did yeah. several other guys but like it's just dumb like just put the best so players here's, in the All-Star game here's it's not, here's it's not that complicated Every, Here's my every other every that. other league does it so much does that they they put the best players in in the all-star game and that's the way it should be in major league baseball and it's just not it's, so it's in- i Here's my argument on that. So baseball has always at least thought of itself as a sport where they like kind of venerate the all-time greats and it's not like they're creating like these these pool holes and Cabrera spots like these aren't just for guys who were just really good. Those are two all-time great hitters. And Clayton Kershaw, despite the you know jokes you can make about the postseason resume or whatever, like that's an all-time great pitcher. And yeah. I think like making exceptions for these sort of guys where like like Kershaw, like pitchers don't like have careers like that anymore. That and I, it's not Great. like he's going to retire. Put him in the Hall it's of not Fame. Like, it's not does like he's going to retire really take, soon. But does anybody really take this All Star Game appearance by Clayton freaking Kershaw and be like, "Oh wow, he must really be great"? And this makes me appreciate no, it's not him about so the, much more. It's not about the. It's not about the appearance. It's getting the opportunity that in his home stadium, like an all time great pitcher, gets to start the All Star Game. I think that's cool. It's dumb. Put the best players in the All Star Game. And Zach Wheeler should be one of those players. I think I think eventually he, he is. I probably, think that he's yeah. probably close to a lock that he is going to be one of the first two replacements if starting pitchers go down. But also the thing I'll say to that point is it's also kind of stupid where you have guys who don't make the all-star game, but then they like an injury or some starting pitcher was used on the Sunday prior to the all-star game. Like then you have somebody else taking his spot, but he gets named an all-star when he, 
in theory wouldn't be in there anyway. Like if if you need a substitute to come in and play in the All Star game, that's fine. They can play, they just, but they shouldn't be called All Stars. Does that make sense? Like if you're if if you're an All Star, you're an All Star, and if you're not, you're not. Why do you have thirty five All Stars when you have twenty six or however many guys playing in the game? It's probably more than that, but like it's dumb. Just whatever. The All Star game could be so much better. It's still cool, but it could be so much better. Just put the 25 best players in the game or 35 or however big the All-Star game rosters are and call it a day, like, whatever. And if somebody else has to come in, they can come in, but they're not All-Stars. Whatever. They should be All-Stars. No, they shouldn't. Why? <laughs> You're going to have somebody come play the All-Star game and they're not an All-Star? That makes no sense. <laughs> I don't know. So also Tim, Tim Kelly from Phillies Nation had tweeted about this earlier. Uh, they started this last year. It baseball was like the last sport where the players wore their actual team's jerseys on the field for the All Star game. It's a great touch, and the fact that it's gone is is very sad. I know it's like yeah. a year old change, but just looked way better, I think, because yeah. the NBA did it for for a while. I can remember uh, just like seeing clips from like when I was a kid, maybe that they were still doing it. Um, at least maybe not the actual all-star game, but definitely like the rookie versus sophomore games. They did certain stuff where players were wearing their team's jerseys. It just, it's, it's just cool. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's a dumb yeah, but any answer. chance, but any chance the league can take to create new merchandise for teams to sell and make a bunch of money off of it, they're going to do it. So well, they, they, had, right, the, but they, they had the merch already. They had the merch already. People still bought them because it was like the home run derby jerseys and the warm-ups so people people bought those i don't know whatever i don't know you want to get into want to get into the phillies what they're doing against the cardinals right now uh get into the series a little bit what are your some of your takeaways so far they still have one game left in this series but they've taken the season series against the cardinals which could be good because they're pretty tight in this wild card race and if they're tied there's no more game 163 so they'd get the tiebreaker also stupid. I agree. Game one sixty. That was so cool. So cool. Uh, yeah, they look. I mean, they. You probably went into this to this weekend saying, if you can go into, if if you can go into Bush Stadium and take two out of four, you can earn a split there. That's probably considered a successful weekend, especially given the fact that they had just taken two out of three. And they've they've done that, of course, after they win the first two games, you're like, okay, it'd be nice to get one of these last two. They'll have to do that tomorrow behind Nola is on the mound, I think, against Miles Michaelis. That'll be a good one. Um, Yeah, the bullpen looks good. The offense, it it doesn't look great, but it's I don't know. The Cardinals are good. I'm not really going to get on them too much for that. Schwarber looks good. Boom. Two homers on what was that? Saturday, Friday. He looks good. Um, yeah, I don't know. They look fine. Uh, Matt Veerling had a nice game on Sunday, which is when we're recording this podcast. You and I were talking about it before we started, uh, recording that he probably should have thrown that guy out in the eighth. It was Carlson, I think, but yeah, JT had a kind of rough tag on that play. And then they went down just, one, two, three just on the go to, just go the to nine. the plate. Just put it on the plate. Yeah. Yeah. But instead he like reaches up toward the, toward the armpit. So that would have been cool. He had a nice game uh veerling did he had an rbi single and a nice running grab at the warning track schwarber had a diving play and, and a, another homer 
wasn't a bad game. It was just some things didn't break their way. And Albert Pujols yeah. did all-star Albert Pujols did yeah, Albert right. Pujols stuff. It looked like he was back in his prime. Back in his prime. Is, that's right. Was, he's like one of those back guys. To all-star, where, back to all-star form. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> one of those guys where like he could, he could be hitting 120 on the year and he could be 42. And every time he comes up, we'll be like, oh, he's so hitting a tank here. Yeah, it, especially if he he can still hit a lefty at this point in, yeah. in his career. Like, that's kind of – he's carved out a nice role for himself in the end of his career since he got cut from the Angels the last two seasons. It's like, all right, he can go in there and he can hit against lefties. He can try to hit a homer against lefties and hopefully it goes over the wall because he's not going to run the bases very quickly at all. The, the double play – <laughs> was like moving so slow <laughs> it, but yeah I agree the, hitting that homer off off Sanchez it's like yeah what are you gonna do double pools even at this stage yeah so I don't know I mean I I don't I don't know if there was like a moment in that game where you're like oh the Phillies look so bad you know they just lost I don't think it's that big of a yeah well at, when yours familiar came in I know we mostly Got out yeah. of trouble. Well, he fully did. He didn't allow a run. Yeah. He looked bad. No, that yeah, was, he did. Yeah. That was one of the no. worst scoreless innings I've ever seen, I think. Would you agree scoreless with that? Scoreless innings is scoreless. Yeah. Scoreless innings is <laughs> scoreless innings. Like, yeah. I don't know. He's he's still like one of the only shaky spots in the bullpen, which has been incredible. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez ends up, you know, giving up, giving up the, uh, allowing the Cardinals to go ahead. He was the Which, guy. I was, he was the guy yeah. I was alluding to earlier as maybe the fifth All Star case where he'd been really excellent this year. I don't think one shaky outing can really like diminish your your thoughts on him too much. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny how both of their losses to the Cardinals this year have because he gave up a go ahead run in the Cardinals last at bat. Like that's that's not a thing that I don't know. He's their he's their best reliever probably yes. by far at this point in the season. So. You know, I know it, it happens sometimes. I think the Cardinals are a I, – I don't know if they're, like, a good team, but they feel like a scrappy team where it's just, like, hard to put them away. I guess we kind of the Cardinals. That. They're the yeah. Cardinals. Yeah, exactly. They, we are, they are yesterday. They are what every Cardinals team is always every year. Yeah, and we saw it yesterday on Saturday when, you know, they won one to nothing and they barely got out of the ninth, but it didn't come without – them putting runners on first and third with nobody out. And it was like the most dramatic ninth inning you could ever possibly yes. watch. So yeah, they're, they're a good team. They're a scrappy team. They've gotten to the Phillies best arm twice. And it's really all there is to say, I think like the Phillies look good. They've obviously held their own against them. They've won four out of six. Um, yeah. They, they lost the game. This f- fun fact that actually happens sometimes with this team. So yeah, true. Know, not a, not a um, huge deal. I, yeah. So I guess just like the big takeaways of late are Schwarber, especially Schwarber and then still Hoskins to a slightly lesser extent are like, yeah, they're carrying this lineup. Um, last time we recorded, I actually did call for the Phillies to call up Derek Hall and they did it. And he's, Help them a little bit, hitting some homers, some doubles, getting getting some timely hits here and there. He hasn't been like an on-base machine, but he does what he does. He hits the baseball hard and can, you know, string some extra base hits together. They, they've needed that. When when Harper's out and Segura's out, you're going to need some bats, and they've gotten good, some good production from him. And 
like you you can't ask for more from from kind of like a minor league a career yeah. minor leaguer thus far at, at 26 to come in and you throw him right into the four spot and he gets some hits for you yeah and, and it's a good thing it's big it, it yeah it's a good thing he has because castellanos he he's so weird because you, you there's like it comes in two to three game spurts where he's like hitting balls hard he's using the whole field maybe it's a double or something like that and you're like oh he's figuring it out and then it's just sort of right back where he had been for the previous three weeks before that. And yeah, I mean, 676 OPS from him at this point. It's not, not great. Not exactly what you, not uh, what you wanted en- when you en- picked en- envisioned. Up. No, but yeah. So it's a, it's a good thing that the other three guys in the lineup have been picking up the slack, I guess, because, you know, the offense has been okay. Like, the last three games they've scored what two one and three runs so and again they're they're facing a good team with some good arms so it's not a huge problem but you're going to need every contribution you can get when you're missing Bryce Harper is basically my point yeah I agree let's do let's do a little looking forward right now so they have this game with the Cardinals on Monday could win the series for them or they leave with what would be at this point a pretty disappointing split um, yeah. But then, you know, coming up is this notorious Toronto series where Kyle Gibson has already said he is not vaccinated and they are presumably going to have other issues with that. It seems like Zach Wheeler is vaccinated and is going to pitch in that series. Um, Jim Salisbury had an, an article earlier this week that like the word going around is that he is good to make the trip. Um, I don't know who else. I It's useless to speculate about who they're going to miss at this point when it seems like we will find out very soon like just when we see who hits the restricted list but they just like they can't afford to like drop both of these and like have it spiral where if you have a situation where you're going to miss a bunch of guys because they are not vaccinated and that starts like a down like a downfall for you that's like that'd be a horrible look so they I think it'd be nice for them if they surprised some people and had fewer players missing than people thought I don't know if that's going to happen but I don't know they this Toronto series is it's going to be interesting to say the least I don't know I think it's funny how yeah I think it's funny how we've, we've been talking about it for like a month and it's like two games yeah well it's just gonna because like the way it's been talked about is like they might have more players hitting the restricted list than any other team going to Toronto this season. That's kind of been the idea. And we don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but having like having a losing streak start because your players just like couldn't play in this game because they wouldn't get vaccinated would be very rough. Here's like the other point about this series. While like the circumstances wouldn't be, great if they have like if they have some fun call-ups they could be a fun series if somebody somebody unexpected has to step in and play and they have a nice two-game stretch that would be cool like griff mcgarry question mark well he left i doubt, his, I doubt it'd be he, he seems like he's dealing with a blister oh, issue right now right. so you're right i don't yeah. think that'll be happening but just heading into the heading into the all-star break what are some things that you think they can do to keep it rolling to go into the break looking still looking strong in the playoff picture and then I don't know do you think these games just setting up for trade season at all do you think 
trade season though that's going to be a fun one um yeah i mean you i even though with with all the roster questions and everything like that as i said i'm kind of less concerned about what they do against the jays just because it's a two game set there's a good chance there's a somewhat realistic chance that they go in there and they lose both there's a good chance they would have lost both even if they had their full team like the blue jays are are good uh you have wheeler on the mound for one of those games presumably so like it, it, it won't be a complete disaster if they were to, you know, lose both or obviously if they split, that'd be good. And then you win two out of three from the Marlins. And I think you've pretty much entered the break at a pretty good spot. I mean, even if they were to go one of three against the Marlins and lose both against the, the Blue Jays, you look back on the last month and a half and you're like, this team is in a much better spot than they were obviously when they came into the month of June yes. and yep. they would be, either in a playoff spot or not that far out of a playoff spot. And, you know, as long as the wheels don't completely fall off heading into the all-star break, I think they're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, last thing I want to add real quick is like, you look back at this team, think back to what, what you were thinking when they were 21 and 29, yep. not that long ago. If you, if you would have told, if you would have told us when the Phillies were 21 and 29, that Gene Segura and Bryce Harper would have missed the time that they have and will keep missing like heading into the all-star break you would have been like all right so this team is like they're cooked right they're not cooked it's been for you know little little things you can criticize and certain players that have underperformed they they're in a pretty good spot as good a spot as you could have probably expected considering where they came from uh, not too long ago. So, yeah, that that's actually a good segue into a question I wanted to ask you because it, it feels like for the first, what, three months of this year, like we've seen two completely different baseball teams. And I'm not sure, like, I think they're a good team, but I'm not sure how good of a team they actually are. Like since the start of June, they've been playing out of 113 win pace. And up until the start of June, they were playing at, a 68 win pace they're obviously somewhere between those those two teams but like how good do you think the Phillies are like if the season were to start tomorrow and you take this this team and you throw this whole season out like are they a 90 win team are they an 85 win team are they a 97 win team like I'm, I'm having a hard time gauging how good they actually are so I think the the question there is like how much do you buy this bullpen and pitching staff as a whole yeah. and the way the way they've turned it on since basically the start of June um like that's what what has allowed them to do this I think granted more towards the beginning of the year you think really early on the offense was clicking a little more as a whole which was how you figured the Phillies would win games out slugging different teams but they haven't had a full strength lineup in a while with with Harper and Segura out but it's it's the pitching that's really clicked for them and if you think I am mostly buying this bullpen. I think I think Sorrento is is legit. I think I think Andrew Bellotti's solid. I think Jose Alvarado has started to figure some things out. And when he's rolling, like he is incredible, incredible yeah. to watch the way he can overpower people. And I I'm buying Brad Hand. And if they get Brogdon back at some point soon, and if they ever get Sam Coonrod back like I think this is like a good bullpen unit I don't know about Coonrod but it seems like it's felt like he was going to start a rehab soon for a long time 
So who knows what's going on there? But as a whole, I think the back end of this bullpen, especially like, I think there's a lot to like going forward. And I didn't even mention Corey Knable who pulled off that save. Like you mentioned before, it was a little scary, but if, if he's, if he's going to pitch well as um, in a different role than he started the season with, that's a pretty good, pretty good bullpen that you have going on there. Well, it, they just don't feel like a fluke. Like it, it feels like the fa- the past month and a half hasn't been a fluky team. And they're since the start of June, they're 12 and five against teams that are right now above 500, which is a 706 uh, winning percentage and over 162 games. That's 114 wins. So like they're beating good teams. And it, it like we've talked about the schedule and we've done, you know, we've obviously done this every year for the past two to three years, but yeah. it, like it isn't like they're only beating the Nationals and they're only beating the like Angels and the Diamondbacks like they're beating pretty much everybody. They lost two out of three yeah. to the Braves and they lost two out of three to somebody else that I'm forgetting who it was. Uh, but like point is, oh, they lost two straight to the Rangers. But yeah. like they're for the most part, they're beating bad teams and they're beating good teams. And it's it's felt like they've won in a bunch of different types of ways. Like they'll win mm-hmm. seven to one and then they'll win one to nothing. And it's like that's how good teams win games. So they feel somewhat legit. I don't know. They're, they obviously won't sustain this. They won't go 25 out of their next 36 for the rest of the season. But it it feels like they're closer to a great team than an average team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I would mostly agree with that. And I think what you said about them not being a fluke is like the two most important relievers in this bullpen, would you say, are Sir Anthony and Brad Hand. And Sir Anthony is a guy that, while I still think that it was a questionable decision to bank on him being back the way he has been back heading into the season, like it, it worked out in the Phillies' favor um, yeah. because he, he has been that good. And he's somebody with a track record that when he came up into the majors, you've seen that he can like flat out dominate. And Brad Hand is somebody with a proven track record, a little bit of a shaky year last year, but he's been good for a long time. Like I think that's why it doesn't quite feel like a fluke that some of these key relievers, while they're like a little bit of Bilotti is like a bit of a, a breakout. Uh, somewhat and Brogdon when he was healthy it had been hit or miss for him kind of at points during his career but the the most important two pitchers in this bullpen have they've shown this before that they can be good and they're doing it again which is like the best sign that you could hope for if you're the Phillies yeah and I I still think the offense like I think Castellanos is going to be better and you you we talked about this before we started yeah, you were like, didn't you say that six weeks ago? And I was like, yeah, I did. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, like, it's he's not a six seventy six OPS. He's got to, like, he no has way. to be better than this, right? He, he has to be. Like, there's no way he's been. If you look at the like his whole career, he's been mid eight hundreds usually, and then last year he was at nine thirty nine. Yeah, so like that's a good hitter, and now he's at Citizens Bank Park. I do not buy that he's bad. I don't buy that he's bad. There's no way. Yeah. And so, so I know it's like a cliche and um, there are some quotes from Gene Segura about it uh, earlier this week or last week where it's like, Oh, you know, the best deadline acquisition would be getting Segura and Harper healthy. It's like, so I'm not going to say that about Castellanos turning it on, but 
Cassiano's turning it on would be better than anyone they can presumably get in a trade at the deadline. Like Cassiano's becoming himself instead of what they've had would be like probably the biggest thing for this team that could happen. Other, I guess you just said you're that. you just said you're not going to say that because it's a cliche, and then you said it. All right, let's move on. <laughs> no, you're right. I agree. Like that's that's yeah, it's the biggest addition that this team could make. You're no, right. Like they can still make acquisitions. Like they should still do that. But no, of course. Cassiano's yeah. turning it on is like one of the biggest keys to the offense, like um meeting its p- potential. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. All right. Anything else you want to add before we wrap this up? No, I was going to ask more about the standings, but I feel like we can do that at the all-star break. Yeah. All right. So if you, cause they're only, look, they're, they're only, hold on. They're only three games behind the Padres. We can, we can get into that. The all-star break. I think we can do Same. a big, we can do a big breakdown of, of yeah. all the standing stuff and what we think could happen in the second half. The last thing I have uh, for you. So the Phillies as of today only have two national league all-stars. How many Phillies players will be on the All-Star team when the All-Star game actually rolls around? Or should I rephrase it? How many players do you think they get as replacements? I think it'll be just Wheeler. I am going to agree. Because Wheeler feels like I'm going to let out the take. I'm going to let out the take that if the Phillies do get two guys in as replacements, Nola's not going to be one. It's It'd gonna be, be Wheeler and Sir Anthony. Wheeler and Sir Anthony. That's my take. Yeah, yeah. I I think I'm with you. Nola, like right. he has a case, but I, I I don't feel like it's so egregious that Aaron Nola is not an All Star. I agree. And when I'm you when you look at the at the list of guys who are probably like next up on the waiting list, it feels like he's further down there than like Wheeler and Rodon and guys like that. So yeah, yep. I'm with yeah. you. All right, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Can I say one more thing? thing. Go ahead. Isn't it absurd that at the very earliest, Bryce Harper's first all-star game with the Phillies will be in year five, like playing in the in the playing in the all-star game. That's kind of that is if you were to say that, if you were to say that at the beginning of 2019. You that Harper like, would not play in an all-star game in a Phillies uniform until 2023 until at the very earliest. Yeah, you would that, be like that contract was a disaster. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um 2020, he would have made it, but obviously they did not yeah. play an all-star game. Yeah, that's they should have named all-stars that season, by the way. Another another way the league has fumbled the all-star game process. Fan <laughs> voting, can we get rid of the whole fan voting oh, thing? My. Shohei Otani over Shohei Otani over Jordan Alvarez for designated hitter. I'm fine with fan voting. It's about the fans. Who cares? Remember the remember the year that the whole like infield was all Kansas City Royals or whatever. Yeah, that was yeah. Jordan Jordan has a OPS of one point zero five eight, which is the best in baseball and he's not starting at designated hitter designated hitter he's not he's not he's not pitching Shohei Otani should pitch over Jordan Alvarez designated hitter guy with the best OPS in baseball who is a DH 
listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault any fan who was clicking through the All Star voting and saw Shohei Otani and, and clicked on him at DH. I Sorry, am. not gonna I do am. it. Either either right. pay attention, be an informed voter, <laughs> or don't don't be a voter. That's my take. Right. I think that's actually gonna do it for this episode. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next time.